0: Good morning, saints of our Lord, and welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm your host, Brady Finneran, pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for tuning us in this morning on Worldwide KFUO, Christ for you anytime, anywhere. A blessed Easter season to all of you this Thursday, May the 19th, as the light of Jesus shines on us from 3rd John. This short little book, one that you might just overlook on your way to Jude and Revelation, you might not even think it's there. But it is a is a precious little book that reminds us of the need to be humble and hospitable. He praises the generosity of Gaius and Demetrius, but he's not a big fan of Diotrephes, who refuses to show kindness and hospitality to others. I always think about this. What if we did that in our church today? Wrote a letter and said. Give thanks for God and Lynette, but we do not give thanks for Bill and his lack of generosity. Not sure how that would go, but also the Lord Lord works through all of that and reminds us to point us back to Christ. So we'll do that this morning, and may the Lord make us generous and hospitable in our own lives. Open up your Bibles, put on your Christ goggles, for the gifts are ready, ready for you. Thank you to our friends at Lutheran Heritage Foundation for your support of Thy Strong Word. Visit lhfmissions.org for more information, lhfmissions.org. Helping us to be strengthened by God's Word this morning, we welcome back the Rev. Dr. Michael Morehouse of Catalina Lutheran Church in Tucson, Arizona. Pastor Morehouse, Happy Easter and welcome back to Thy Strong Word.
1: Bryce, Division, Thank you for having me on. Congratulations to you and your recent election as Bishop. Oh, you guys don't use that. District <laughs> president of your district.
0: <laughs> that is true. Thank you very much. that, that, that is, uh, I'm humbled and I'm hoping I have some. Uh, uh, the Holy Spirit helps me to be Demetrius and Gaius as we hear a text today. So thank you very much.
1: Well, my experience with you in the past is that you have the pastoral heart and that you actually show Christ's sacrificial love to people. I'm sure that your congregation is quite blessed in, in you and that you, your district will also be also blessed because you've shown that sacrificial love to mm-hmm. most dudes actually uh, over the air, but I've gotten to know you a little better. And I know that you could uh, write a letter like this to two people and, and actually mean it. that's good
0: thanks Uh, to him be all the glory to him be all the glory thank you pastor so pastor what's going on for you and your family and the work of the saints at catalina
1: well family seems to be doing well uh all busy and employed and grandchildren are schooling and almost done and and, uh, the congregation itself here is a wonderful congregation uh who love to share god's love with many many people we're anticipating our seventh full-time vicar uh in the most recent years, um, coming out of our, our Fort Wayne seminary and, uh, the congregation loves to share their, their love with those vicars and their families as they come in. Uh, they've been known to, to just, uh, get them, uh, way beyond expectations, uh, because basically I'm a pastor that works for vicars as much as I work myself. So that's six days a week, eight, 12 hours a day. And the congregation knows that. So they try to make it Worth their while, wow. plus they share God's love through Operation Pharmacist, L. L., um, various other our diaconate ministry here. Um, I'm not sure i are forgetting somebody and we're not doing that on purpose.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and we made this connection too before our broadcast today that that's the Strawn family. So, uh, Gabriel yeah. and Jennifer Strawn, she worked at Lutheran Allen Camp up here. I don't know if you remember me, but I was Pastor of the Week during that time. And I was very thankful for her and well for her husband, Gabriel, um, and and their work among us at camp. So uh, greet them for me. And a reminder to our listeners, pray for our vicars. It's a year-long um, internship, maybe is a good way to relate it to the world. And just reminds us of of how God uplifts his servants to serve in his church. And thank God also to pray for vicarage supervisors or vicarage bishops, how you define it, um, how they also will help to form future servants in the name of Christ. So pastor, anything else you want to highlight before we begin?
1: No, well, I think we've covered it basically. We may have time to chat at the end since this is one of the shortest <laughs> uh, books in the Bible. And it has an extremely short op- opening for a short letter. And uh, it, it kind of uh, follows the military principle that I learned with is BLUF, bottom line up front. And it's uh, <laughs> kind of what I was looking at when it- It's been a while since I thought this, so I went back over my notes, picked up a a few patterns in it, but uh, we'll see how much time we have at the end to chat some more.
0: Very good. Well, Pastor, as we look at this text and the Holy Spirit leads us, can you begin our time in prayer?
1: Sure. Lord God, Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for the gift of the faith. We thank you for your Son who died to bring us forgiveness, life, and salvation. We thank you for the Holy Spirit who opens our hearts and minds through your word to the treasures that are contained in your word. We ask, Lord, that you would give us uh, a spirit as John had, as we deal with our congregations, which you have us in, be members of your body in a given place, that we would do things in gentleness and in love, but also in truth, and correct where needed, in terms of helping to restore those who have fallen away. Send your Holy Spirit upon us this day as we study all these things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you have any questions concerning our text
0: today, 3rd John, send us an email, kfuo at kfuo.org, kfuo at kfuo.org. We'll begin by reading all of 3rd John. As Pastor said, it's not very long, so it's one of the shortest books in the scriptures. Fifteen verses that points us to this nice little letter that he writes to the beloved Gaius. And so as we hear that this morning, let us hear the word of God from 3rd John And we'll be reading from the English Standard Version. John writes, The elder to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth. Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you, and that you may be in good health, as it goes well with your soul. For I rejoice greatly when the brothers came and testified to your truth, as indeed you are walking in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Beloved It is a faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are, who you testified to your love before the church. You will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God. For they have gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support people like these, that they may be fellow workers for the truth. I've written something to the church, But Diotrephes, who likes to put himself first, does not acknowledge our authority. So if I come, I will bring up what he is doing, talking wicked nonsense against us and not content with that. He refuses to welcome the brothers and so also stops those who want to, want to, and puts them out of the church. Beloved, I do not imitate evil, but imitate good. Whoever does good is from God. Whoever does evil has not seen God. Demetrius has received a good testimony from everyone and from the truth itself. We also add our testimony, and you know that our testimony is true. I had much to write to you, but I would rather not write with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon, and we will talk face to face. Peace be to you, the friends greet you. Greet the friends, every one of them. This is the word of our Lord this morning. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Very good. Pastor, <laughs> how do you want to start? Like you said, this is a short, but I would say this packs a punch, no doubt about it. So how it, do you want to start us off?
1: It, it Maybe perhaps just do a little overview here, kind of uh, looking at its dating, which the Lutheran Study Bible uh, from Korya Publishing House dates somewhere between 8085 and 8095. Uh, and then speaking of it, how it might be divided up with a, with an opening in verse one then an introduction, two through four, as we number them, a three-part body, five through eight, nine through 10, 11 through 12, and then a conclusion in 13 and 14. And since I've been zooming a while, I'll repeat that because I do know people take notes. So the opening would be verse one, the intro verses two through four, the body itself could be divided into three parts, five through eight, nine through 10, 11 through 12, within. then a conclusion in 13 and 14. Do you have anything that you would like to point out in, in those particular areas before I get into maybe some of the how it was used and so forth?
0: Well, I think that's a great way to separate it. That's uh, I, I read a few
1: things that separate it in the same way. So continue. Okay, good. Uh, one of the things that I do when I uh, prepare a study for uh, teaching is I look for patterns and for word usage, usages in the text And by the way, I count the word agape for sacrificial love shows up six times in some form. So that word shows up six times, Alethea or Alethea or Alethea, however you want to pronounce your Greek, the word for true shows up seven times in different forms. So that's the majority word that seems to stick out. And then the word, the forms of Maturia, which is for testimony or witness that shows up five times and then pair which is to walk about. I think Australian, they take a walk about, you know, that shows up twice. So if I would put those in order of nine to, number of times they've showed up, just this short letter of um, truth shows up as number one position with seven um, forms. Then sacrificial love or unconditional love, steadfast love. However, we want to translate agape that shows up six times, and then martyria, from which we get the word martyr, witness or testimony five times. And then last would be peripeteo to walk about that shows up twice. Kind of, he really hits the concept of love, sacrificial love, in the first in the intro section. He goes again to it in the uh, body of the text. And then the witnessing starts in the intro and it shows up in the body of the text also. So, and then the walking about also is in the intro. So just kind of, I, I, I used to fly for the military, so I get used to color highlighting things that were important. So um, mm. when people look at my text, they'll see like I have uh, like a pink and then a blue and a green and a and an orange, uh, I'll actually show that for the class, which we can't do on the radio, but uh, anyhow, I w- w- went with the rose or pink color for love and then blue for truth, um, orange for witness. Cause sometimes that's accompanied by blood and, uh, then a green for the walking about cause you know, here's the spring this time of year. So I don't know what you think of that, but there you go.
0: <laughs> well, and, and you, you're seeing the connections and we see this, we've seen this cause we've gone through first John went through second John yesterday and now third John, there's that very intricate connection of love from God that connects it to the truth. You know, those are one, and then go back to the gospel John, you see that connection as well. And then you have this continuous understanding of walking in this truth, the witness that we give as, as people. And I would say third John really brings it all together in a beautiful way of showing this mercy that we, you know, flows from God. That mercy that flows from us by the power of the Holy Spirit, and in, in, in our everyday lives, I think that really brings it in together very well and highlights those main terms. I guess what connects very well to Christ and what He's done for us already. So yeah, I'm, I'm I I wish I, I don't have highlighters, or else I would start highlighting exactly the way you just said it. So. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, when you pick up his district president, look for some in the mail.
0: That's right. I'll, <laughs> I'll be anticipating it. I'll be anticipating it. <laughs>
1: that's right. That's right. Yeah, so Pastor, and the other thing, go ahead keep going. So, so you have, uh, it, that's an interesting summary of what I, what I had, uh, put out there and, uh, what you were alluding to is that in terms of the sacrificial love, because God has first loved us, those who were the faithful. We then can share that, and that's exactly what John is doing in this text. He, he who has been loved by God is now sharing that love with one who loves God and loves his flock, and wants to encourage him in that. And it's not like he says, well, stand on a pre- uh, street corner and preach. It's not like he says, do this specific act of mercy. He's just encouraging in in his life witness, which is the whole concept of walking about, that is conduct one's life, in that which we've received, which is the love of God in Christ Jesus.
0: And it's it's interesting, too, and I I want to reflect on this a little bit before we dug in, is that here, he specifically names names. And as I mentioned in the intro, it's really interesting that, okay, you know, I, I could see us highlighting somebody, a servant in our congregation, that, Is doing really well, but then he gets into diatrophies and kind of says, yeah, that guy's not generous either. So any thoughts on that and are, you know, are the church today, how, you know, how can that be done faithfully, especially in light of what what John does here?
1: Well, we note that this is is a personal letter, obviously meant and received and meant to be read to the churches, but this isn't done from the pulpit. So he's not calling out names from the pulpit and in terms of pointing out positive and negative mm. he's dealing with this in an in individual way. So that, uh, when Gaius receives this, he then can take the commendations to those who are meant to receive them. And perhaps to use this to correct, uh, the one who needs correction. And it, it's like, he's following Matthew 18. What mm. a concept, right? Yeah. Right. <laughs> 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 Would have thought.
0: Yeah, if, would have thought.
1: if you believe like I do, that this is the same John who is uh, the beloved disciple. And, uh, he was there when, when Jesus was speaking and, uh, I mean, the language that he uses in in uh, free John and, uh, the gospel of John uh, so much pattern. If it's not the same man, it's somebody who walked right next to him the whole time and took notes on everything he said. So let's leave it at that. <laughs> I well, think it's John.
0: Right. I, I agree with you 100%. I agree with you 100%. And it's, it's interesting to me how the way you were speaking was definitely, this is a letter written with the care of souls in this church in a very careful way that he's, he's highlighting the generosity of, of those, the, 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 the faith of others. And he's highlighting this, this diatrophies in a way that is probably needs to be done. There needs to be a heavy dose of law here for him to realize that our calling is as, you know, our Lord is generous to us. Therefore we're generous to others. And if it's going to be about me, myself, and I publicly, especially, then that needs to be called out. And so he does it, but not in a way of, like you said, from the pulpit and tearing someone down necessarily, but in a letter that was done. And he wanted to do Matthew 18 meet face to face to probably deal with those issues that are there. So I, yeah, this is a very pastoral
1: letter. If I could say it that way, any thoughts? Well, I agree with that. I, I fully see it as pastoral. Um, one of the things I couldn't find my citation. it's been a while since, like I said, I thought this, but, um, it was recorded towards the end of John's life and it may be in Butler's life as a faith. I'm not sure. Um, that, uh, John, as he grew very old would be brought into the church by his, um, Disciple. Uh, and he would simply be brought up front, to the bishop's chair, and say, give his message, which is little children love one another. And um, apparently, that there is some historical evidence for that. And that shows through in this letter that he's calling for the sacrificial love of God to be shared among the members of the congregation. And then on the negative side, to show that when one is not showing the love of Christ, um, that that needs to be corrected.
0: And so, as we look at um, as we look at this, I'm ready to start digging in. Are you ready?
1: Oh, I was born ready to do this. So <laughs> I like it. <laughs> so <laughs> well, one one other thing, one other please. note that uh, I do on these, once we have plenty of time for such a short letter, I like to do word study on on the name. So, um, got ga- Gaius. Um, there's a the Gaius that shows up in Acts nineteen twenty nine and one Corinthians one fourteen. So Acts nineteen twenty nine and one Corinthians one fourteen. Probably not the same Gaius, but but the word uh, the name Gaius was a very uh, prominent name in the Roman Empire. In fact, one of the seniors was a Gaius. Okay, so it's kind of like uh, a John. I mean, mm-hmm. not not like my name or your name. <laughs> not not as popular, but but like a John so Gaius would would be him Um, in terms of uh, Diotrephes um, that name um, comes from the root that indicates that he was Zeus nurtured or that he had come from Zeus and I don't want to do more than say that that indicates that he was not a Jewish believer or a Jewish person that had converted but uh, a Greek person Hmm. then we get to Demetrius And uh, Demetrius—that again is a uh, Greek term belonging to Demeter, who is the Greek goddess of fruit and crops. So that indicates that Demetrius was a convert. And I think I'm missing one, aren't I? Or is that it?
0: Oh, those are the three names that uh, that I
1: yeah read
0: here. Right? right.
1: Yeah. Mm. Okay. I'm looking at a Greek manuscript with English that I wrote underneath, so I want to make sure I didn't miss anything. Oh, not that I. uh, Okay, so then the. Apostolic Constitutions, which dates to about the 4th century A.D., uh, makes a connection between the Presbyter Gaius in this letter to the Bishop Gaius of Pergamon. Uh, and it also makes a tie to Acts four. So for whatever it's worth, I mean, that's three, two and a half plus centuries after this letter was written, but fairly early tradition that, that would tie him the guy is here to the uh the bishop that would be in Pergamum at the same time. So let, wow. from there we can dig in on <laughs>
0: Yeah. That's a lot of background that I uh, I did not find. So thank you for Leading us in that direction. There's a lot of history behind this. So uh, I, I'm going to let my mind catch up and let's start digging in. Okay. So let's go. <laughs> As you mentioned, the the breakdown, we'll follow that breakdown and just go a little bit okay. at a time. So verse one is the greeting. The elder to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth.
1: So pastor. Very, very, very short opening. Yeah, very short. Yeah. Go uh, ahead. Um, and. The 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 word that's translated there, elder um, um is often translated presbyter. That's used in two John one, for example. Um, and our confessions actually picked up on that one. But go ahead, you had a point. I'm sorry. No,
0: I was just going to say the the unique thing about this is it never mentions the name John explicitly. So when it says the elder, I mean we're looking at. He's probably referring to John. Any thoughts on that? Sometimes that comes up in questions.
1: Well, I mean, he did that with his own gospel, right? hmm. You know, the one loved by Jesus, the one whom Jesus loved, often actually have a vicar that writes, uh, that has written you know, the vicar whom Morehouse loved. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> following the this, this scriptural pattern here. Um, but anyhow, um, yeah, it's, it's, Interesting, because the recipient Gaius, would know whom he received it from, right? And by identifying himself by title, and uh, different pastors have different ways uh, that that they appreciate people addressing them. Um, and so here, the presbyter, the elder, the pres- the the uh, the leader of that uh, that's writing this appears that that. He's comfortable with that term. Um, when I meet with people, I tell them my name, but I tell them, just call me pastor, you've had pastors before me. They'll have pastors after me. My first name and last name aren't really important. It's it's the one whom I represent is important. And he may be doing something like that by not mentioning his own name. I don't know.
0: And so he speaks to the beloved or beloved Gaius, whom I love Mm -hmm. in, in truth. Which, like I said, this is a very pastoral letter. Clearly, Gaius is a, a man of faith, but he, it, it definitely is a truth dynamic, which we see throughout John, you know, the three letters and the gospel as well. So there's, there's definitely a faith, there's a connection here, a mutual con- consolation of the brethren type of dynamic that's happening in here. Any other thoughts on verse one? It, it doesn't tell us much, but we definitely get a feel for the relationship and the church itself.
1: And we might consider that, I'm in the English, because as we discussed, and we are the district that has, by agreement with the Senate going way right back to, I believe, 1921, uh, that, that our bishop is called bishop slash district president. He does perform the concept of overseer for the pastors, and then he actually can be a pastor to the pastors, which fits within um, what our confessions actually hold in terms of what this presbyter would be on the treatise and the power and primacy of the Pope under the power and jurisdiction of bishops, Luther wrote, and then as part of the uh, fashionist Now, accordingly, Jerome teaches clearly that in the apostolic letters, all who preside over the churches are both bishops and presbyters. He quotes this from Titus. This is why I left you in Crete, that you might appoint presbyters in every town. Hmm and points out that these words are followed by, a bishop must be married only once, at right? its 1, 5 through 7. Again, Peter and John call themselves presbyters. And Jerome observes, one man was chosen over the rest for eventism, blessed several persons by gathering separate followings around themselves when the church of Christ. For in Alexandria, from the time of Mark the Evangelist, to the time of Bishops Heracles and Dionysius, the presbyters always chose one of their number, set him in a higher place and called him bishop. Hmm. Moreover, in the same way in which an army might select a commander for itself, the deacons may choose from their number one, who is known to be active and name him archdeacon. For apart from ordination, what does a bishop do that a presbyter does not do? Jerome therefore teaches that the distinction between grades of bishop and presbyter or pastor, is by human authority. The fact itself bears witness to this for the power is the same as I've already stated. That was paragraph 62 through 63 for those who are looking them up in in the Book of Concord. Um, And this may be something our district presidents have done this. They've sent letters out bishop, bishop to bishop, and this is what he's doing here. He's sending it as presbyter to the beloved one who apparently be is one of the leaders of if not the leader of the congregation where these things are taking place. Um to me that's an interesting observation and it is significant that that our confessions um following the lead of scripture made it clear that there's one office and that while we might perform we men might perform different functions of that office, we still hold the one office and that we are under the office that Christ himself established. Your thoughts? And I and I well, I I, I, would,
0: I, would admit that I have not, not studied that in depth, but it, it definitely is something that points us to that understanding that we have as in the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, of there being one holy office. And it looks different, but it says same office of the proclamation of the word and the administration of the sacraments and the care of souls. And so that is very helpful, especially as we look out. And as you mentioned, in your own district, our district president's how can we therefore follow that, um, that what, what the Lord has given to us? And like you said in the confession. So we're getting deeper than I thought we would get in one verse here, uh, Dr. Morehouse. So thank you for that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, we've got plenty of time. And I, 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 I've been told by one of my uh, classmates who stole it to somebody else that scripture is so shallow that a child can swim in it, but so deep that an elephant can drown in it. Oh my, I got to write that
0: down. I'm going to use that at some point. So Pastor, right now though, we
1: need to take, we need to take our break.
0: Uh, we are studying 3rd John with Pastor Michael Morehouse and we'll be right back. This is the voice of a mother in the faraway country
1: of Georgia, reading to her six month old son about Jesus, from a Bible storybook written in the Georgian language. The child's Bible was given to her by the Lutheran Heritage Foundation, and the Holy Spirit is working powerfully through your support of LHF to make events like these happen every day. Help another family learn of the Savior. Learn how at lhfmissions.org.
0: And welcome back. We are studying 3rd John with Pastor Michael Morehouse of Catalina Lutheran Church in Tucson, Arizona. And Pastor, we have a lot of, uh, we, we got the word studies, we're understanding the names, we've we gone through this one verse. And now we just see a very, um, past not only pastoral, but very much so, that this relationship is, is more than just, I care for your soul, but also care for their health. And then they care not only for the person, but that they know the truth. I see that connection of body and soul, you know, the blessing that we will give in the new, uh, in the new not new hymnals from old six, but then the hymnal, it says in body and soul connecting mm-hmm. everything together. And I think third John captures that beautifully. So pastor, I want to read verses two through four and get some of your thoughts and obviously your thoughts on that connection of body and soul that we see in third John. So two through four, beloved. I pray that you may go, that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. For I rejoice greatly when the brothers came and testified to your truth, as indeed you are walking in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. So the greeting, the greeting, I guess, is, is still an extension of the greeting. But here we hear of his of John's concern, basically of all of Gaius and the people that are with him. So tell us about that.
1: Yes, I think you hit it on the head. Gaius is addressing the whole person, not just the spiritual realm, but the physical realm also. Tying this all together then, he is putting this, centering this, if you will, on the truth. And that, The truth is being witnessed to in Gaius by others. So they're bringing this report to John, whoever they is. We we don't have who they is here. That not only does he walk in the truth, not only does he hold to the truth, but he also conducts his life in the truth. And then that is leading others to conduct their lives in the truth. And the question would be who is truth mm. and the truth would be Christ and him crucified, right? So as uh, John is addressing Gaius, he is addressing him as one who is walking in Christ who is setting an example and that John himself is thrilled if you will is encouraged by them conducting their lives in the truth that is in Christ and him crucified. And one of the great, I would I, I relate
0: it to this. I have a dear friend from high school and he married somebody else from my high school and, and I just, you know, you lose track, you know, it's now, you know, I was, I was, I graduated high school in 1998. And so it's been well over 20 years, you know, 25 years almost. And Henry seen him. And so I happened to see him at a conference, a pa- not a pastor's conference, but a district conference. And there he was, he's a member of another LCMS church. And him and his wife and his kids are very involved and, and just just a great blessing to be able to see him and his family. And I'll tell you what, there's that great joy of knowing that he and his family are walking in the truth. And so that's how I relate this too, that it's not just, oh, hey, you know, Gaius is a good old friend from when I was at seminary. But there's, there's a connection beyond that, that there's others that are walking in the truth with him. And the joy that he has, and he'll speak about that at the end too. When he wants to meet with him face to face, the joy may be complete. So this is—we know we're together, and that's how John is emphasizing that as well. Other thoughts?
1: Well, in this section, I think we probably could move into the next section. And this is to sum this up: is uh, as as Jesus' disciples remained in Him, they bore much fruit, and this is evidence of that.
0: Very good. Um, so I wanted to ask this. Is there any other thoughts you have of that connection of body and soul and, and kind of the role of the church? How we are, we're always concerned, not just about, well, are they are they just have this or just have that. But we're concerned about all of it. And Any other thoughts, as he says, may be in good health and as it goes well with your soul. Any other thoughts?
1: Well, when John was writing, it appears that there were those who were teaching throughout the known world that, that the body itself, had no meaning, and that was only the spiritual self or the soul that that was important. And so by reinforcing body and soul together, um, John is showing the importance of not just the spiritual, but the physical, that God created both, and that both have have meaning, both have importance um, in this world and in the next, if you will. So let's continue to move on, as you mentioned, uh, verses 5
0: through 8, as he speaks a little more of the support and opposition that's happening in the church. Verse 5. Beloved, it is a faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are, who testified to your love before the church. You will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God, where they have gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support people like these that we may be fellow workers for the truth. He's, he's speaking in a language, since we're not there and we're not, you know, we're not receiving this letter in the context, it can be a little confusing here. How would, you, how would you start us off to kind of clear this up a little bit?
1: Well, it seems like that where Gaius is at, there have been traveling, we might call them missionaries, Um, preachers that have come forth from wherever John is at and that they have been received in grace and given support while they were wherever Gaius is at. And this report has gotten back to John and that he is encouraging them to do the same thing. One of the um, precepts that seems to be underlying here is from Hebrews 13, uh, 12 I believe is the verse that uh, were called to show hospitality to strangers mm. but these are strangers in the faith and so there's maybe a um, deeper reality going on here is that um, the pagans that are around them are not being asked to support these people who are of the faith they may be strangers to Gaius, but they are not strangers to the Lord. And so it's the church's duty, responsibility, and joy to support fellow believers as they carry forth the good news, the gospel, the truth of Jesus Christ, rather than counting on those who are not believers to take care of them. Um, Mercy begins first within the household of God, and then it goes from there to those who are outside. But if we're not caring for our own, and we're counting on, for example, the state uh, to provide for them, then I've never seen a state, a, a government entity that doesn't get something without string. And uh, these these gifts here appear to be encourage, being encouraged um, for the kindness shown for those who have, have uh, appeared where Gaius is at and then the report has gone back to John. And again, because this then later gets circulated to other churches, hopefully when other churches hear this, we see that, oh, yes, Um, you probably have had in your congregation some of our LCMS missionaries or people who want to go into the mission field show up and um, they give their presentation and uh, hopefully, you don't say, "Well, uh, since you're since you're here, uh, Minnesota has a program that can house you for three days." Um, we're not going to take care of you, right? right. You're not going to say that. You'll put them up somewhere, perhaps in a member's home. You'll feed them and so forth, and then you'll support them as they go on their way. And I think that this provides the text here uh, provides for, support for that type of work. What do you think? I, you're exactly right, and that's and that's what's amazing
0: for me to see. Uh, the, the times where you call the church to, Hey, let's support these folks, especially those of the household of faith. This can brings us back to Galatians chapter six. Um, I have to look it up here because this came to mind for me where it's very clear. This, this mission is not like, well, the believers, we just leave them cause they're good. You know, they're good to go. Right. You know, they got it all figured out. Here it is in Galatians chapter six. Verses nine through 10, and let us not grow weary of doing good for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Clearly, he is saying to everyone, but he's also saying, don't make this until like, we're going to go to the nations and ignore anyone who believes in Christ. <laughs> um, but right. it, it's a, As all are sinners broken people who need care that we're caring for those who the lord has brought to us who confess jesus is lord and that bubbles over if you will i once heard president matthew harrison speak that way that the mercy that we give to one another it's not like it just ends and then we go watch a movie by ourselves it's a bubbling over by the power of the holy spirit the fruit of the spirit it bubbles over beyond the believers it bubbles over to other people and then that is something that John's capturing here beautifully is just this is this is what God is doing. And it's bubbling over not only to unbelievers, but it starts with the believers in whom God has placed before you. Those are my thoughts.
1: Sure. And uh, also in this text that picked up something in, in, the, in the study from this is that there were pagan philosophers and priests at the time, particularly priests of a, of a Syrian goddess that also went about and received by people, but they were received by the nations, the Gentiles, the pagans, and their goal was to bring back gifts to the goddess. And I found somewhere in my notes here that, that they were bragging that they would bring back 90 bags each journey. So they were going out basically and gathering funds for the temple operation and. Here we're going the other way. We're going, okay, they're coming out. We're going to support them. We're going to take care of them, but they're not taking this money to offer it to some pagan god or goddess. And so it stands in stark contrast to that, which again, he focuses on here the name and the truth. Well, the name and the truth is synonymous. That is the name of God in Christ Jesus, Jesus himself, and the truth, who is Jesus, right? So they're not going these, these. People that came to Gaius were not there to grab money to bring it back to John. Ah, okay. Very good. Yeah. And it,
0: Pastor, has there been ways that you've seen this happen in your own church? Since the Catalina Lutheran Church, since he's naming names, we can bring up some names, as not names per se, but the ways you've seen <laughs> God's people at work in a generous
1: way, like we're hearing today. Sure. It, it's shown through our Operation Barnabas as uh, our folks go down and meet with the, the veterans in the community, many of whom are homeless, uh, share with them at no cost um, Bibles. They prefer the King James Bible, so we buy them and we take them down, hand them out, provide them with reading glasses, providing them with uh, cookies and, and devotionals and stuff like that, pray with them. For our Lutheran Women's Missionary League chapters, many do. They have the various uh, entities that they support to provide the mission work in and out, Uh, we will have a speaker in and take care of them. And then the congregation here, as part of her uh, background right now, or part of her being uh, as a vicarage congregation, um, they enjoy having these men, uh, either single or married, depending what the seminary has available for us, and then taking care of them almost as if uh, if they are our children, my little children, as he says here. well, first, the full-time vicar who's serving wonderfully in Kansas, uh, just a, a wonderful man, uh, had privilege to not only preach for his ordination, but to um, marry, perform the marriage ceremony for he and his wife. Um, when he got here, or when he was a place, I went to meet him at the seminary and looked at the car he had and said, do you really want to take that car? I don't think it's going to make it. And he said, well, that's all I have. So I came back to the congregation and they found the car for him and, and found a way to get it to him. And, um, so, uh, the current vicar that we have coming in, um, again, needing transportation, somebody from the congregation provided it. And then we have our own little unique quirks and, and John doesn't mention it here, but, uh, we try, because we're out in the Southwest, um, we try to have every, uh, vicar receive a set of power boots that, uh, fit him. Because when you're served at this altar, when you look down, I, I hope that you see a pair of polished cowboy boots for the ones who are serving you at the Lord's table. Um, and uh, for the one that uh, couldn't get boots because of the size of his feet, he ended up with a hat. So uh, just those kind of things that people love sharing here and caring for one another. And then during the pandemic, uh, several times uh, um, we mentioned that there's no reason for anyone in this congregation to go without please let us know. And people did. And we had members delivering supplies, um, big joke, toilet paper, right? Um, but that happened throughout the pandemic. And then it, it, a few times that I did announce that in the announcements afterwards, we ended up with more coming in to be given than those had me, but that's okay. God will use that. and He's using that now. So just, an, and yes, could I name names? Yes. But then I would miss somebody absolutely and that wouldn't be right
0: absolutely He's yeah right. It didn't, i didn't want to put you in that position but it, it, it definitely we can do this is uh catalina lutheran church it's a faithful thing that you do for the efforts for these brothers strangers as they are who testified to your love before the church the same words go out as our lord guess what still works in his church today so pastor let's you know, it might not be a long book, but we're we're we need to keep moving here. So verses nine and ten. Well you and
1: I get paid by the word, right? <laughs> That's it.
0: <laughs> verses we're nine and kidding, ten. Nine to ten. <laughs> let's let's continue on. I have written something to the church by Diotrephes, who likes to put himself first, does not acknowledge our authority. So if I come, I will bring up what he is doing, talking wicked nonsense against us. And not content with that, he refuses to welcome the brothers and also stops those who want to and puts them out of the church. So like we mentioned here, this is a very pastoral letter and he's definitely, he's going to be dealing with this, with this man named Diotrephes. And pastor, what's your first thoughts on, on, on how he speaks of this person?
1: Well, he, first of all, he says, I have already written something to the congregation, <laughs> okay, yeah. and then here's this guy that's putting himself first, and that, that, that's the sin that's being named, pride of place, one who continues to wish to be first, that is the leader, like someone who says, well, I should be the leader of the congregation. If you ever, I've never been in one, but a congregation, I've heard of them, where you have a fight as to who should be the president, and you have contentious photos, meaning I've only heard of these stories. I don't know if they're true or not. But again, if you're putting yourself forward, maybe you're not the one for the job. Right. And and then he goes on further to say that he doesn't recognize the authority of the one who opened this, the Presbyter, the the leader, the called apostle, this is a front one. Okay. This is one of the twelve. All right. And he's not recognizing his authority and he John was taught by Jesus. So he's going to be laying the groundwork for the pastoral discipline. And he's going to bring up to the remembrance the specific evil word and work that this man did. And, and then he goes on to say he bring, that what they are is he's bringing unjustified charges against us, that being John and those who are with him and I have by implication Gaia. And so it's going to be a conversation of correction. Um, it's almost like Paul, the writing is, you know, don't make me come over there. Um, but in this case, he's intending to come. And, and not only that, this guy goes even farther and puts people out. It's almost the spirit of party or a spirit of factionalism that taking place, And, um, and to John, you, since we're recording this the same day, it's being aired. I can't listen to it first because I like to do that when I do these, I like to listen and then respond, you know, tie it into the next one. But right. if anyone comes to you and doesn't bring the teaching, he says, do not welcome him mm-hmm. or let him into your house. So in two John, you've got a similar warning about someone who's not bringing the right teaching. And this is what's being laid out here um uh with regard to diastrophy. And you would hope that the that um this man would be hear this letter before John gets there and be ready or ready to say I'm sorry. That's what would the hope would be that's there's that, a lot there. Um and
0: <laughs> he the he's addressing it. So obviously he's addressing it not just a one time and say, oh, I've done my job. I'm good. He's written numerous times. It's, it's that, you know, each letter is different, just like our pastoral care or our care for each other in the church is different for each person as well, which I found really fascinating as you compare it to Second John. They're like, well, wait a second here. If this per- what if this person is not the teacher of the faith? Well, we're kind of assuming that, you know, Diotrephes is not welcoming those of the faith who are teaching the truth. So there's, right. there's there's that issue as well. So there's a lot of questions we don't know, but yet it's still there. He needs to be called out and he's working through the process. It's probably not written down in some bylaws. That's clear. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> but it, it, it definitely is something that he's doing it and uh, depending on the Lord to help him. And you, you get that feel too, that he's really trying to follow the word the best as he possibly can.
1: Anything else, Pastor? Well, and he's also... In the Jewish concept, and no one shall bring charges against an elder, a leader of the church, without two or three witnesses that agree, right? And we have just this one man bringing these charges, and then John called them unjustified. There's no support for these charges, they're empty, okay? And in terms of casting out from the congregation, in case anybody's confused, in John 9 and in John 6, this is used in a First, a negative sense in John 9 9 about casting out the man who was born blind and Jesus gave gave sight to. And people say, well, you who are born in utter sin and you would teach us, and they cast him out. In other words, his sight's restored, but they don't want him around. On the positive side, uh, John 6, all that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. Mm -hmm. So, again, positive and negative application of casting out. I think we probably could move into 11 and 12. Yeah, that's, that's a great segue there, Pastor.
0: So, verses 11 and 12. Beloved, do not imitate evil, but imitate good. Whoever does good is from God. Whoever does evil has not seen God. Demetrius has received a good testimony from everyone and from the truth itself. We also add our testimony. And you know that our testimony... Is true. So you know, so John. You, keep going. Go keep, ahead. No, I know you got it. Go. <laughs> <on>. <laughs>
1: okay. So John, um, John actually has a good transition statement here, and my vicars probably, if they hear this, they will. The oh man, he says that all the time. So but he takes he he pivots off the evil of the atrophies and moves to the good of Demetrius, and that verse eleven, as we number it, is that is that transition statement, and that allows, oh beloved don't mimic or mimoo, mimic the evil, but the good. And, and then point out the truth. The one who continually doing God, uh, good is from God and remains from God. And the one continuing to do even evil doesn't see God, can't see God for the word that's seeing, that's revealing him. And then he goes on to say, who's good, Demetrius, having been witness to by all and by the truth. And so you've got the witness. So that pivot section here, moving from, from the one who's being corrected back to a positive. Again, it's good, um, that he is being then shown, you've got two contrasts here almost in terms of law and gospel, right? That we continually bear witness that, uh, our witness is true. So Demetrius is bearing the same witness. He's making a contrast between what Diatra is doing, doing and what, um, Demetrius
0: And once again, it's all grounded, as you've said over and over today in the truth, and and we have to let scripture interpret scripture, let the clear passages help us interpret the maybe unclear, but when it keeps talking about truth, and especially in light of John, we always will see Christ in this. So imitating good, you know, Jesus even says this, so who is good, but God. Um, And this isn't like some kind of like in America right now, we have a tendency to say, well, just do good things. Well, okay. so let's define good if we're going to go down that road. And here he says that and it's good for us. Always remember the good is from God and God clearly points what is good in Holy Scripture. So and it points us ultimately to Christ. And this testimony is not what I make up in my heart. But this testimony is what is proclaimed clearly in Scripture. So I, I, that's why I love these verses. Like you said, it's a good transition, but I can't help but just think about how he is pointing them back to the Word and to Christ
1: very intentionally in these verses. Any other thoughts? Well, you have the Holy Spirit working through this uh, in John 5. Um, mm. Jesus promised there's another who uh, bears witness about Jesus, that being the Holy Spirit who works through the word, Jesus being the word, but the truth and the word and the spirit being tied together. And then this pattern here, and we know that our witness remains true. Well, again, at the, in, near the end of John in chapter 19, verse 35, as I wrote it down, um, he who sought his foreign witness and his witness is true. So he, again, this is an eyewitness to Jesus' life, death, resurrection, and ascension and the recipient of the Holy spirit, again, declaring what truth is. So things in contrast to what the world says, which is basically relative truth, relative truth, or as I would say, what is truth? Well, I mean, it was funny that he said that when truth is standing right in front of him right. and that <laughs> that pointing out the truth here, the truth, because you have the truth, you will have the good one, which means that you will do the good. Now what happens when you don't do the good? Well, that's when you're called out, you repent of your sins and you receive that forgiveness and then you do the good. That's the daily thing, right? And so, again, within the letter itself, having pointed out the evil, now pointing out the good, all grounded and founded on what truth actually is and then bearing the good witness from that. Let's continue. We have about three minutes left in our time, Pastor. Okay.
0: So these last three verses, he says, I had much to write to you, but I'd rather not write with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon and we will walk, we will talk, excuse me, face to face. Peace to you. The friends greet you. Read the friends, every one of them. Pastor, right. I'm going I'm to say this quickly before you say anything is <laughs> th- just think about how this is so relatable to today that, that how we yearned throughout COVID to be face to face, how we realized right. that although we can text and we can message and we can call how great is it to be able to sit over lunch or whatever might be face to face. So once again, scripture proves that it is something that we can relate with throughout the
1: generations. So anyways, any, any thoughts on the final greeting? Well, this is incarnational, right? Again, it's speaking of the importance of the body. Literally. I want to speak mouth to mouth. We will speak. And then at the very end here, he declares those words of Jesus when he showed up to the, the 10 and then the 11 and elsewhere. Peace to you. And then from that piece continue to greet the beloved ones and greet each other by me. Again, how important they are. And this um the peace to you shows up on Easter Sunday Eve, Easter 1. Uh Thomas was there with the eleven and John twenty-six. Uh greet one another in First Peter five, um, Titus three fifteen. So this isn't just John, it's Peter, there's Paul. Um Speaking of sending greetings to you, greet those who love us in the faith. John ten three 3, um, calls his sheep by name. Easter 3, Good Shepherd Sunday, Pentecost Tuesday. And this concept of peace still remaining in the church. And so, like you
0: said, we want to have that peace. This is what Jesus says when he comes after his resurrection, says it twice. And then when he sees Thomas, he says it again. Um, and the greetings that he extends to every one of them. A reminder that the church, every person matters, if we can say it that way. Uh, Every person is one, as a soul that is to be cared for with the gifts of Christ, body and soul, over and over throughout our lives. Pastor, we have a minute left in our time. How would you summarize this this beautiful book and encourage our listeners in Christ?
1: This letter is written by one who knows the love of God in Christ Jesus, who shares the love of God in Christ. Christ Jesus with one who also shares the love of God in Christ Jesus, to bring to the end that the name of Jesus would be exalted among the nations, and that those who would oppose it would be silent, and that in that, those who receive this word will have true peace with God and with their fellow believers. The peace which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. Pastor Michael Morehouse of Catalina Lutheran
0: Church in Tucson, Arizona, giving us God's strong word from 3rd John. Pastor Morehouse,
1: it's a joy and thank you for bringing his gifts. Thank you, Pastor Finner and God bless you in your new endeavor and calling and challenge and joy. <laughs> and grant you peace and wisdom. Amen, I'm your host,
0: Brady Finner, pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for joining us and the Lord keep you safe in the palm of his hand.